Salutations, Cake Nation, and thanks for tuning in to the Chemistry Cake online podcast, where chatting about chemistry has never been sweeter. Chemistry Cake is online, and today's episode is the second installment of the Good Grief miniseries. In the previous episode, I spoke briefly about a time this year when I was trying to navigate grief, and how one of the folks in my village saw to it that I was cared for in this time. And to be quite honest, this is only one example of my village caring for me during this time. There are so, so, so many more examples, and uh, they will be mentioned um, in this episode. But before I do that, uh, I wanted to pick up from where we last left off, and that was a tired, exhausted, grieving cake who was desperately, desperately trying to keep themselves so incredibly, unreasonably busy to distract themselves from any and all kinds of sad or angry or just unpleasant emotions because, quote, cake just didn't have the time for it. So how, how exactly did cake keep themselves busy? What did they do? How about coming into work at 7 in the morning, not leaving until 7 or 8 or 9 or sometimes even 10 in the evening, reading papers and books, teaching, planning experiments, doing the science, holding extra office hours, getting trained on almost every instrument under the sun, or at least those that were needed for my research project, keeping myself so incredibly busy that I just didn't have the time to think about or process any of these emotions. Or perhaps, better said, I just didn't allow myself the time to think about or process any of these emotions. Now, I won't lie, this was probably one of the most productive times in my life. However, the rate at which I was working, and for the amount of time per day that I was working, given the amount of sleep, or lack thereof, that I was getting, was not sustainable. Burnout is certainly a real thing, which admittedly happened multiple times this year alone. And folks, Cake's gonna call Cake out on this right now. That means of coping is not healthy. Holy cannolis, by no means is it healthy. And it's certainly not something that I'm proud of. I am not proud of it. But I am now in a place that I can recognize it, admit it, and own to it. But that wasn't the only way I coped. How else did I try to cope? Well, I can tell you this much. In the first few sessions that I went to see a therapist, I had apparently used almost every defense mechanism in the book. Denial. I'm fine. Narrator. They were, in fact, not fine. Deflection. I will talk about literally 
anything else except that. Isolation. I will not speak a word of this to anyone. Repression. I'm not even going to think about it. Rationalization. I can't be sad. I have work to do. Compensation. If I work more hours than anyone else, then maybe, maybe, maybe it will be okay to be sad. Compartmentalization. Let me just put these emotion things in little boxes that I have no intention of opening ever again. Anticipation. Something bad is going to happen. I just know it. Let me just keep my guard up at all times. Humor. LOL. You know, um, my therapist even called me out on this. Uh, Cake, you have used five different defense mechanisms. We are only 30 minutes in. While it was something that I was skilled at, it is not something that I am proud of. But it may make you wonder, what was my go-to defense mechanism? Humor. I feel like there's no surprise there. Was I called out on that? Oh, you betcha. Um, It was even told to me that I was so good at using humor that uh, my therapist had to remind themselves constantly not to fall into the trap of my humor. And it being spoken to me that my humor was a trap really made me realize that, uh, yeah, the, the extent to which I employed humor was not a healthy means of coping. Gosh, what was my justification for using humor all the time at the extent I did? Well, it was more on the lines of, This topic is too heavy for me to carry, so I'm just gonna lighten the load by making people laugh, because if they're laughing, then I'll probably be laughing, and then everyone is laughing, which means that no one is sad, which means that I cannot be sad. And the rationalization runs wild. Uh, To be frank, I am struggling even now not to employ my sense of humor, which you may have picked up on, as I am recording this episode, because while, while I really, really want to make this situation a little bit lighter because it is very heavy for me to talk about. Um, It wouldn't do the weight of this topic justice. Grief is heavy. And of course, I'm no expert in any of this. I just learned all about these defense mechanisms because one, I was called out on every single one that I used, but two, I realized if I wanted to improve, if I wanted to step away from using these as a default, to allow myself the time and space to maturely process through this grief in a healthy manner, to use these mechanisms in a healthy dose, I needed to be aware of the masks that they wore so that next time, I would be able to recognize them. Um, And that is where I am now. But if you asked me maybe four months ago, oh gosh, my answer would have been very different. Where was I four months ago? Four months ago, I was spiraling, and I didn't really know how to get myself out of it. And one of the 
one of my very close friends in my village saw that. And so she started inviting me over to her house just to hang out, maybe get some work done, maybe not. More often not. Um, And then that turned into, hey, Kate, I'm free for lunch at this hour. Would you like to join me? Which turned into, hey, Kate, want to go on a hike this weekend? And, hey, Kate, I just got a new guitar. Want to help me learn how to play it? And, hey, Kate, you love cooking and I love eating. How about... I buy the ingredients and you make the dinner. Um, and, you know, this was actually a really wonderful time. Like, being able to hang out with this friend really breathes life back into me. Um, one of my other friends noticed I was really off. And so she invited me to go climbing with her. Mind you, I had climbed only one other time in my life, so I wasn't super stoked to do it. But this friend was really persistent in inviting me to go climbing, so I agreed. But uh, finding a time that we were both available was like trying to find a needle in a haystack or a parking spot on campus after 9.30 in the morning. So uh, my friend had talked up climbing so much that Of course, I just had to see what all the hype was about. And at the time, I had discovered that there was a bouldering gym on campus, and I figured, you know, before I commit to anything like a membership or something like that, I I would try this little gym to see if I liked it. And holy cannolis, folks, I fell in love with it as fast as I fell off the wall on my first go. But, you know... That aside, I, I wanted to come back that same week. I really enjoyed being challenged both mentally and physically in that way. I was so drawn to how encouraging the community was. Could, could you imagine a, a group of people that don't really know each other except that they all go to the same university cheering each other on to get to the top of that wall? What a way to edify the outer circle of your village. So, so what am I trying to get at here, folks? Am I saying that you need to stop everything that you are doing and get a climbing membership right now because it will change your life? No. Uh, but I won't stop you if that's something you really want to do. I really enjoy it, and you, you might also enjoy it. Am I saying that... Using any of the defense mechanisms I aforementioned is shameful and pathetic. No. Absolutely not. I am saying that if any of the defense mechanisms are your go-to, but it is preventing you the time and space to process through grieving, I see you and I hear you. And I do not in any way intend to invalidate anyone's emotions or feelings or experiences. However, I also want to gently encourage you to reach out to a safe someone in your village. For some, this might be one of the hardest things to do. And that's okay. Take courage.
And I challenge you to do it anyway. If you are in a position to be that safe person for someone else, to invite them to your house, to maybe get some work done, maybe not, to go out for lunch, to maybe grab a spot of coffee or tea, to go on a hike or something that you both enjoy, um, to have a dinner. I encourage you to also reach out to those in need in your village. This might also be challenging, and that's okay. Have patience, and I challenge you to do it anyway. This is how we edify our village, folks. This is how we breathe life into the village. And with that, uh, we will end our chat. Thank you so much for joining me today, um, especially with, with such a heavy topic as this. Um, as always, you can follow me on Twitter for an extra dose of hype or gentle encouragement if that is what you need. Um, and on a lighter note, and this is actually lighter, this is not me trying to be humorous or anything, uh, as promised, before we end, Cake's first giveaway ended yesterday. And so I think announcing the winner is in order. Um, so without any further ado, the winner of the very first Chemistry Cake online podcast giveaway and recipient of their very own pocket chemist is, drumroll please... Congratulations to Mara, the Belle of Brawl, at Dial M for Mara. You are now the owner of your very own super nifty pocket chemist, and you will be receiving a message from me shortly so we can get that sent over to you soon. And so, Cake Nation, be sure to hype them up on Twitter, because this is very exciting. Uh, and folks, if you would like your own pocket chemist, you can purchase one at GeniusLabGear.com. The link will be in the description. And who knows, there very well may be more giveaways in the future, so stay tuned for that. All right, Cake Nation, this is your friendly reminder to stay hydrated, to keep the hype alive, and to edify your village. Don't forget about this week's challenge to reach out to someone. You never know. You could make their day. Thanks for tuning in, folks. This is Chemistry Cake, signing off. Mm.